0: Hello, everybody. Before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about Juneteenth and some exciting plans we have coming up. Juneteenth is a celebration of black freedom. This year, the Stitch Please podcast will celebrate Juneteenth all month long under the umbrella of creative liberation. Inspired by Alexis Pauline Gumbs teaching us that freedom isn't a secret, it is a practice, the Stitch Please podcast will celebrate the many ways that Black women, girls, and femmes get free, stay free, and be free. Tune in for the entire month of June for some absolutely amazing episodes that you will not want to miss. See you then. You might have learned that the Emancipation Proclamation and Union victories ended slavery in America, but there's so much more to that story. Seizing Freedom is a new podcast from VPM and Witness Docs that uses firsthand accounts to show how Black people defined freedom for themselves during the Civil War and Reconstruction. Find us at vpm.org freedom and listen wherever you get your podcasts. everybody and welcome. You are listening to the Stitch Please podcast and I am delighted to bring to your attention Lydia Diaz. Yay! She is also known as Clever Girls Craft on Instagram. She does fantastic work. She is a YouTuber. She's got a shop on Etsy. She is a bit of a badass. I don't know if she likes to be badass. You know, she is a very active practicing Christian. You can tell this from her post. I don't know if she likes cursing or not. We just met. We're fine with it. Listen, I'm fine with that. So I'm gonna say she's a badass and I am so glad to have her here with us today. Thank you so much, Lydia. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry it took so long. This (laughs) This is fine. This is, hey, it took the time it needed to take. Amen and I am very glad to be here. So I wanted to talk a bit about how did you get started? What made you take the leap from being a crafter who was just doing things in her own home for her own edification to turn to making things like stickers and stamps and things like that? Like what was the thing that got you going? Okay,
1: so when I really started crafting to put it out into the world, if you will. I was not a crafter prior to that. It was like, crafting for me started as a means of self-care, as a means of processing trauma. It was workplace trauma. Of course, there's, you know, childhood trauma and everything else that we deal with being like women also, you know, the world trauma. But for me, it was coming out of a work experience that was very mentally dangerous Mm. and leaving a company that I felt really drained my energy, drained my self-worth, really put me down into a pit, okay? And so then I started doing watercolor paints, stamps. So just, you know, painting the backgrounds really simply. I'm not a great painter by any stretch of the imagination but then I love seeing how people would stamp on top of a dry background and then use embossing powders and the heat gun to raise the lettering or raise the stamp. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I've never seen that before. Thanks Instagram. You know, I saw that on Instagram. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I want to try that. (laughs) So I got the little heat gun. I got the stamps of the embossing powder. And I was like, this is so cool. You know, how, you can make your statement, the the sentiment stand up off of the paper, off of the background, and it's glossy and it's sealed. It's not coming off. It's not washing off. The background is going to fade. When you're dealing with like paints like that, the background is going to fade, but the wording, the sentiment is going to stay. And so for me, like I needed that for me, it sounds weird, but like I needed that permanence. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, it does not sound <laughs> weird, Lydia. It sounds like an evolution. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I'll it. That's what it sounds to me. And, and the reason I say that is because if we to look closely at the process you're describing, you have this watercolor background that might be beautiful and a gorgeous context. But what you also have when you put the stamp down and then the embossing powder, and then you put some heat on it, I really like how the embossing is also yes. textured. So that you can feel yes. it, right? And feel it. And there's something about basically standing mm. out in a background in a way that is permanent, oh right? Yes. Right? That is something that is so powerful and necessary yes. for Black women. And so, like this idea, when you said to me that your work environment was mentally yes. dangerous, yes. Right? And your solution to that was to create for yourself Mm -hmm. a therapeutic process Mm -hmm. of art and of making and of creating that also relied on a stamp, on a background. It's like you're birthing yourself. It's like you are creating the life you want to live and that's what you did. And that is why I think it's evolutionary. That really, wow.
1: Like I really haven't processed it, you know, verbally with another crafter to be honest who understands wow like I'm now like absorbing that (laughs) and it feels it's so true like I felt so lost in the sea of that company washed away like to be honest like there was a lot of take take and not a lot of recognition or give back or you're doing well you know what I mean and so no
0: no so it was
1: a lot of outpouring. I feel as Black women, we pour ourselves out a lot either into our community, our families, our work, our education, our children, you know, on and on the list goes because we feel like that's what we were raised to do. You know, we see our matriarchs constantly pouring themselves out, you know, Even the ones that are flawed were constantly pouring themselves out in some area, holding nothing back for themselves, you know, constantly empty. That's me also. I was raised by, you know, women. My mom, for all intents and purposes, was a single mom, even though I had a stepdad in the picture. She was still a single mom because she had to hold it down when he was acting the fool. And, you know, you see that. And so we do that in the workplace, don't we? We do that in the workplace. We do that in education. We do that with our families. We are bone dry at the end of the day empty and that's how i felt with the painting it was like one day this watercolor background is going to fade out like that's just the that's just the the nature of watercolor in in light okay it's going to fade yes it is that's me like i am i feel like i was fading away yet there are statements that i want about me to last you know yes beyond me. Yes. And so you're right. Like as I'm absorbing that and processing, that's what it was. And so then like, I started out using stamps that were created by companies and all that, but I had really gotten into, or I should say really started appreciating the Bible journaling movement that was happening at that time. Like it was just like coming on the scene where people were Bible journaling. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, I'm not as artistic as those folks, but, but man, I can appreciate it. And I was seeing the stamps and all that jazz. And so for me, I am not, (laughs) I am more of a a tomboy. I'm not sure if that's an okay term to say anymore. I'm more, I'm not a girly girl. Okay. I'm not a girly girl. I'm not into flowers. I'm not into flourishes and and all that. I like a bold statement. I like um, clean lines. And so I started yes. to make my own stamps. Like you can design them and then upload them to like sites and they'll, they'll make the, the clear stamps for you and mail them to you. So okay. I did that. I was like, these stamps, like with these Bible verses, they're not really hitting for me. Like I, I'm
0: more of like a bold print, you know, clean, like I said, clean lines, yes. skip the flowers. Yes. Like I just yes. want the words. And there's probably some Bible verses about liberation that's not in those stamps. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure, for sure, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, we got to move beyond
1: Proverbs 31, okay? So that was where I was. And so that's when I started to design my own stamps that way, not to sell, but just to create my cards, my work. And then from there, you know, I started collecting the the craft stuff. Once you start down that road, it's a dangerous
0: Sis, sis tell it let me tell you something Lydia I was trying to do you know some background research so I can come up with some decent questions and not embarrass myself <laughs> and I tried to go to your Pinterest and I when I got to Pinterest they said you must have an account to log in and I was like oh no nope. ma'am. oh no You're Pinterest. Get- I will not Pinterest is a cult yes. I stand by it I had been involved in the cult. I was involved in the cult for many years. I learned a lot of amazing recipes, including a cinnamon bun pancake oh, recipe wow. Dangerous. that my children and everybody loved. I made that thing. I wore that recipe into the ground. <laughs> but now you mentioned the word Pinterest to me and I'm like, get thee behind me Pinterest. Yes. I want nothing. I, I couldn't even look. I, just, I was like, I bet I'm just gonna go back to Instagram. Yes. And look at her picture there because you know it's so like you go to Pinterest and it's like, I want to cook that, I want to buy that, I want to wear that, I want to make that, I want I'm like, No, I don't need I have plenty of ideas on my own, and so I'm just gonna work with those. (laughs) Look because Pinterest, I I don't
1: have enough self-control for Pinterest. I have a Pinterest account, and I cannot tell you the last time I logged into it. My friends are like, Oh, Pinterest is great to promote your stuff, and I'm like first of all, I don't have the mental energy for that right now. And second of all, if I go on there, I'm going to get like sucked into the whirlpool of everybody's thoughts and ideas. I just can't do it. So it's if up. you had gotten onto my Pinterest, it had been hecka outdated stuff from probably two years <laughs> ago. Yeah. You wouldn't have found much. So yeah, Instagram is where I live. YouTube is, yes. is also a lot as well, I have stuff on there, but yeah, I don't play around on
0: Pinterest. It's too dangerous. I mean, it's very dangerous. And what I just wanna kinda of go back and say another wonderful thing about you is that the embossing, again, I, and I keep returning to love this, it. but you are the embossing and you are the person who is making these beautiful permanent statements. I love when you look through your Instagram, you can see your craft projects, but I also absolutely love the statements that you make on the way that either, either you are educating your fellow Christians about how they should be more liberatory minded, more loving and more inclusive, or you are getting people to think about legislative issues in your community and in your state. You are saying the names of Black folks who have become ancestors before they've even had a chance to become adults. Uh, You are, you are saying these things. And you are helping people to access information that perhaps they would not have found otherwise, or they would not have deliberately sought out. And so that leads me to a question that I know that I get a lot and it's about the combination of what, seem, what some might believe are disparate mm-hmm. things. Like, okay, there's crafting, there's resin crafts, there's the Bible verses and Bible journaling, there's the political and social engagement. Why are all these things together when they should be separate? But you've done such a beautiful job of having this work so well organically, Mm -hmm. as well as aesthetically. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important to you or what prompted you to start, if a prompt was necessary, to start pursuing your craft in a way that is connected to important issues in the yeah. world. So
1: I feel like the prompt, if you will, other than just being Black in America is really last year with everything that we saw with Maude Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor happening in such a compounded way and the uprising in our community, as well as with active allies who were like enough is enough. It was just, we're always aware of it. We're always aware of these things. You know, we don't live in a bubble. We understand that these things are happening, it's a part of our lives. But when I saw how few companies and few crafters and few whatever were talking about it, it hit my heart. And then there was this pivotal moment for me where last year a craft company whose name i shall shall not say you can go look on my
0: <laughs> instagram and find what i'm talking about like, look it up yourselves people i'm not gonna give them any more credit right. and they, okay. they, they deserve none of it i'm not putting their name in my mouth they do not deserve to have their name uttered by me okay. in a recording how um, about that you can go check out clever girl craftings on instagram and you can see what i'm talking about i'm yes. gonna yes. me not that yes okay exactly exactly because guess whose links gonna be at the right. end of this episode okay. Craftings. So, okay that's the links that's the, in this episode you can find the youtube channel you can go to the ig you can go to the Etsy. that's who we're so, talking about today so some raggedy people did something raggedy what <laughs> they do tell me what they did i wasn't watching tell me what they did what they do to you this tell raggedy
1: community page or this raggedy raggedy company actually they posted their design team for the 2021 20, year whatever was coming up whatever it was and it was 13 white presenting women and i and it was after everything that we had been through you know late summer, summer.
0: Did, did they put up a black square did they put up a I, black square i don't, square? I don't I remember if they did. did they have a black square when they really they had a black square because they kept they felt bad Listed. for the blacks and so they put up a Listed. black square whatever they didn't
1: do enough because i saw that And, and it was another black crafter, a friend of mine who actually said, have you seen this? And I said, let me go check it out. Do-do-do, is this? I said, what? And it just, it's like that activation moment. I don't know if you're into comics at all, but you know, like when someone is born with like mutant DNA, you know what I'm saying? And like, yes. they go off of their life. They never have any kind of, mutant, you know, experience. And then something happens that like triggers the DNA and sub- yes. suddenly yes. They- they're shooting sparks out of their hands. Suddenly they've got, brash- yes, yes,
0: yes. yes like that third full moon on the on the you know autumn right. when it was 16 you know, suddenly exactly. once every exactly. years it was that
1: because suddenly it went from man I'm, I'm observing all this I hate all this I'm a part of this because I'm a part of the black community but it was like how dare they and then I made a video and and that began the the outspoken and the choice to then use my crafting account to then speak about these issues because like we were saying earlier this is us you know we are crafters we are black women we are you know people in our communities that that have experienced these things or witnessed these things we are the ones who these things are targeted at so why shouldn't we use our platforms And, and a brief segue if you will on that I don't know who started the rule that, you know, your social media account, whatever, has to be really targeted on one thing. You know, find your niche and all this kind of stuff. Listen, my niche is creating beauty. And sometimes beauty is calling out the BS. Beauty and kindness and all this is confronting white supremacy or the white supremacy delusion and saying... This is unacceptable. You know, sometimes there's beauty in confronting the ugly. And so that's right. And so I don't know who started that whole thing about, you know, you have to have a niche in order to be, you know, successful on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. I don't care about being successful on Instagram. What I care about is the liberation, the dignity, the the empowerment, the success and thriving and flourishing of my community and my people. And others who are lifted up. Who are who don't belong to the black community, but others who are BIPOC or trans LGBTQ who are lifted up by by black people lifting up. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and yes.
0: I do. It's like they say, "A rising tide yes. lifts all boats." And the way that it's that marginalization has worked in this country is that black people occupy a particular role mm-hmm. of oppression, and that not unique. Not that nobody else is oppressed but particularly black oppression has been used to drive the engine of the United States, Yes, right? And that's why, you know, in 1619, black folks are denied Mm -hmm. citizenship, black folks are denied the rights to carry guns, the the right to look white people in the eye, like all these things that, and so there's a theory in organizing that if you focus liberation efforts on the most marginalized Mm -hmm. and you create an equitable system that works for the most mm-hmm. marginalized, then by default, by a chain reaction, the system will work, everybody. work for exactly. everybody. Exactly. Everybody, everybody. So instead of, sometimes we have this rights discourse where I think white people feel like they're yeah. gonna lose something, right? They think of rights as like a pie. And if you get rights and I get rights, and then we get the, you know, black trans women get rights and these people get rights and it's less rights for us. And it's like, that's not that's how, how rights works. works, you know?
1: Exactly. And so so that's, I don't know. So that's exactly how I feel about it. My, my account then became, you know, a place for me to once again, process trauma and hopefully uplift others in the process of acknowledging it, speaking on it, calling it out. And especially in, maybe not especially in, but also in being a Christian, I felt that there, and I still feel, okay, I still feel that there is a, a powerful silence that comes from the American church. You know, I cannot speak for any other country or, or anything like that. I'm talking about the American church, um, is very silent or white American church is very silent on the injustices that we see every single day And if they're not silent, they are co-signing it vocally. And so for me, that was, I said, this is not what I'm seeing in scripture. This is not what I'm studying as I open my Bible. I'm going to speak up whatever my voice is worth to somebody who's reading this, who's losing their faith, who's Mm -hmm. losing faith and saying, man. Where's this church that's supposed to be loving and caring and being the hands of Peter Jesus? I'm going to say it, okay? And so yes. that's then also tied into all of that.
0: Uh, yes, and, and, and I think you were speaking earlier about the, the violence of your former mm-hmm. workplace and about how so much was extracted mm-hmm. from you. And, and, and I, that resonated with me, and I think that's gonna resonate with a lot of Black women who are listening. But one thing that one of my friends has taught me and I keep practicing it is that we belong to ourselves Mm. first. And that is, I, and I think that I, I'm not saying I struggle with that. I'm going to say I'm Mm. practicing Mm. with it because I also grew up in a family of women or in a family where my mother is still to this day. um, I will not say how old she is because that's none of (laughs) y'all's business but she's the mama of a 51 year old. How about that? And and she is, she's still out, you know, serving. She's still, you know, that's just her nature. She is a community ass bitch. And I'm sure she would not want to talk on that, but she is, but that's where I learned about actually some of the principles of of Mm -hmm. anarchy. Actually, she would not believe this, but like anarchy is not Mm -hmm. chaos. Anarchy is a system of government that is non-vertical, it's <laughs> completely horizontal and lateral and everybody takes care of right. each other, right? And so we have found a way to make mm-hmm. it criminal, right? <laughs> because we prefer a democracy that says that's what it is, but it's that's not mm-hmm. what our democracy is. And I don't have to tell you any more about that. But the thing is, that this, it's, the beauty for me is to seeing her, to see her be so engaged with her sorority community, the church community. She's even still connected with kids she went to oh, high school right. with right and, that, and that they went to us, they went to a segregated high school. And the ones who are still able, they get together once a month. Wow. You know, and have classes. So like I got to see what it meant to live in community, to live in a black community, and what some of the rights and responsibilities and the joys yeah. were. And so I'm wondering the work that you're creating, like when I flip through your Instagram page is also a type of very difficult and challenging mm-hmm. work. What do you think is the difference between managing your own platform and talking about ways to process things that, were, that are traumatic and harmful to black women's lives and doing that at a, a company that's demanding that you do this and do that? Is it just, do you see what I'm saying? Like both places demanded something yeah. difficult. but one was maybe financially remunerative because it's a job you're getting paid for but was also emotionally violent and damaging and another is still like it's demanding it's a lot of work but it produces something different do you see what I'm asking like is there a difference maybe I guess the difference might be between working for somebody (laughs) else and working for yourself but but the process is it's still I'm just saying it's still hard you're still doing things that are hard. So can you talk a bit about that? And I just love what you said before about like, you're not trying to be quote unquote successful on Instagram. You're not doing the seminars on how you can monetize your Instagram and all your social media life in order to put whatever to, to for right. capitalism, you know? you know? Like, How do you see this particular social platform working for your benefit? It's working for your benefit, but at least for me, I feel grateful Because it's working for my benefit too. Because I know when I go to your page, I'm not going to see nonsense. I'm not going to see BS. I'm going to see a Christian practice that's much more in line with my particular Christian practice that's also connected to black liberation right. theology. So I'm able to see, you know what, yeah. I'm, you what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, I, just, I guess it's not really a question. It's just maybe an assessment of how amazing you are, <laughs> but, but what, keeps you, like, what keeps you like going? What keeps you like making the things that you're making? What, what keeps you putting them out there and doing this work to help us get free? Cause that's what I mm. see on your page.
1: Um, wow. Okay. So when you were asking like, what's the difference, if you will, between the corporate side of it, you know, a company draining you and then you putting it out, but you're still being drained in another way. Yeah, I think that it's, I draw the lines, you know what I mean? Whereas it's that autonomy of, you know what, if I don't want to post about this particular tragedy or this particular thing today, I can wait to process it in my own way until I have the words. If I wanna process it at two o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to process it then. I think that in the corporate world, it's like, it's a constant grinding of our bones at the benefit of the corporation. And when your bones are ground to dust, they get blown away and somebody else replaces you. And when, and and, or when the corporation says that you're no longer useful or you're no longer lining up with their, their objectives, you know what I'm saying? Like, they create the objectives, they create the focus, the goals, what's important to the corporate culture, you know, of that particular company. For me, it's like, this work is what's important to this body, you know what I mean? And for me, that's going to be rewarding in ways that financial reward can never touch. Because, you know, like the Bible says, you can sell your soul. You know what I mean? You can pursue every treasure of this world and your soul is depleted to the point of death. Yes, yes. I have been there. I have been making six figures a year in that company that was draining my soul to the point of death, to where I would sit down and I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put it out there. I would be in the the smallest closet in my house and it was a tiny little uh, towel closet in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I would get in there on the floor with my Bible and I would close the door, you know, away from my kids, they're seeing my husband's asleep. And I would cry, weep for hours because of how I felt being in that company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would weep on the floor in a closet yeah, it became a prayer closet. Not gonna lie. Yes. I mean, that, that, yes, you know, yes, yes, but the kind of prayers and the kind of sadness that I was experiencing was on, was really unhealthy was, it was really mentally unhealthy and mm. depression and all the rest of it. Yes. So great. I have a, a six figure income, but my soul is overdraft. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, yes, I'm paying fees that, that, that I can't I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul in my spirit Yes, to, to pay these fees that this corporation is, is withdrawing
0: constantly, yes. constantly, constantly, yes. constantly. And it's never I enough. Can't. It's never enough. You are never, never caught enough. up. It's, you're never caught up. You never get paid up. The account is never even. They're never like, yes. oh, congratulations. You have done this thing. Well done. Now we can pivot the way that your work operates and you don't have to right. pour out the contents of your heart into this right. thing like a get. Yes. the domain. You're always, you will
1: forever be, well, speaking of me, finally realized you will forever be in the red, Lydia. Yeah. That like really, yeah. and like, as I prayed, I'm like, Lord, you know, help this to be easier. Help this to like, help this to balance out. Da, da, da. And he kept saying, the problem is the
0: company, leave the company, leave the company. Like, Lord, and why do you I want me so to be like, broke? Jesus, what I ever did to you? Right, Jesus, right. are you serious? Did you do it? Like, Jesus I this in my bank account. You see all the money in my bank account, Jesus, because that money came from them company, that company. Okay. So- that, that's really what it was. But that's
1: really what it was. That was really the struggle. It's that coming from a background where money was always an issue when I was growing up, financial insecurity and instability, that, that was my driving force. I never wanted to be rich. Okay. That's not who I am or what I just wanted to be stable. I just wanted to be financially stable, but I hadn't even started thinking about generational wealth and all those things. I hadn't even come to that point in in my understanding at that point, I just wanted to be able to continue paying my mortgage and, you know, all these kinds of things. And that's what kept me there. And I was like, but if I leave, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my house. And sure enough, it's like, what do you care more about your piece or this property? You know what I'm saying? The piece of the property, which, which then ties into what we're seeing across the country with certain folks who claim to believe in the Lord talking about property over people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Property over people. They love a CVS.
0: Goodness forbid a CVS get burned down or a Wendy's because right. (laughs) yeah, goodness forbid. Yes. It's sad that man got murdered, but Hey, should the Wendy's have to pay? Right. Right. Wendy's with, with how much of insurance and all, and come on, now, nah, now, nah, nah, anyways. Okay. We're really sad about you Blacks having such a hard time of it. but what did that poor innocent CBS ever do to you? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, like do property you know how other the people? They, they throw CBS's everywhere. You know, even, right. you know, people don't even want the CBS. They're like, hey, we are going to give you one anyway. Here, your community right. throw CBS's. Starbucks, Starbucks on every corner. Okay. What I was
1: experiencing there on the individual, which was, you know, property amassing, you know, over my peace, is what I feel that because I was spiritually educated by the white American church, which if their values tie into property over people, then as someone who is spiritually educated by the white American church, don't I then start to value property over my peace? Yes, you do. You know what I'm saying? And so that that time period before coming to crafting where I was having that, that spiritual struggle of let it go, Lydia, you got to walk away from this, whatever was so breaking and so hard. And sure enough, I'm going to be completely transparent with you. I left the company, started crafting. We could no longer afford our home. We sold our home. Thank God with a profit, paid off a lot of debt. Thank God. Once again, you know, that's important. Yeah. Moved into a very small apartment. Okay. Rebuilt a little bit and got life back on, on track in other means. But that's the thing. You have to be willing to say, what is more important? My peace, this property, this profitability, this prosperity, quote unquote, you know, or peace and people. Yes. You know what I mean? I and so that's what is permanent for me. Like yes. the souls of, of human beings yes. is permanent. Yes. Like going back to the embossing. Yes. That's what's important is, this, is the souls of human beings. And so how can I use my platform, use my crafting, use my my talents? Yes. To, and I say that with air quotes to help people see that their souls are important to me. You know what I mean? We all want to matter. Yes to those around us, like LGBTQ community, trans kids who already feel like they don't matter, that they're disposable. Yep. I'm sorry, you're not. You are valuable. Black people, you are valuable. Disabled folks, you are valuable. Yep. And I feel like in this society, the society that we live in, it feels like all of those that I just mentioned are the acceptable loss. Mm. You know that when you're in a corporation or you work retail yeah. even, okay? Less cuz cuz I work with retail, I'm not sure about you, but way back it in is. the day, I sure did. There there is a certain amount of understanding every quarter that there's going to be loss. Yeah. There's going to be some theft you know, there's be product that's product how they damaged. call
0: it shrinkage. They call it where well, I'm call it shrinkage. There's going right. to be some shrinkage. Right. There's
1: going to be theft. There's going to be product that comes in damaged. There's going to be product that is damaged on the floor, you know, things like that. And they work that into the bottom line and yeah. they say, okay, this is the number that we're expecting. Um, and of course, there's loss prevention and all that jazz. Yes. But they know these corporations know that there's going to be a certain number. And that's acceptable. Yes. You know, they work it into the bottom line. For me, lately, I have been feeling as though my Black life is the acceptable loss. That somewhere along the way, the white powers that be sat sat there and and, and wrote out, yes. you know, do-do-do-do-do, per quarter. This is who we're gonna lose. Yes. It's gonna be Black people. It's gonna be disabled folks. It's gonna be trans kids that feel like they, that they have to take their lives over Overcoming out and, and, and exploring who they really are. It's gonna be gay people. Yeah. You know, these are the acceptable loss right here. Bottom line, eh, that's fine. Yes. So when you lose, so when you lose that friendship with that quote unquote white ally, uh-huh. who you said that one thing to, and she finally you know what? I can't follow you on that one. You know, that's not, that's, that's, that's not. That's a bridge too far. I want, that's you, to a bridge you, I want
0: far. you to be free, but I don't want you making uncomfortable.
1: Right. You have become the acceptable loss. She's okay with losing your friendship because it was always, you were the acceptable loss. Mm -hmm. When you go to your job and say, you know what, we haven't taken a stand on these issues and these things, you know, there's workplace trauma going on here. Steve is saying things that's really inappropriate, you know, Jana is, you know, to doing some stuff that's really making me feel uncomfortable. Even though when you were hired, they said they care about diversity. Or, you know, just come to me with anything. you know is always open. She talks about that. Yes. in her book, Austin Channing talks about oh, that. Yeah, I read and that that was good. Yes, ain't no friends here, she says and I say it all the time. Ain't no friends here. you are the acceptable loss. Yeah. When you go to HR and you report X, Y, and Z in these emails in this workplace culture, and they say, mm, you know, maybe if you just had a different tone, maybe if you just, you are the acceptable. Can you smile loss. more? We about Right. People? You are the acceptable loss. When you are in the schoolhouse and you can't wear your braids, you can't wear your natural hair, you can't wear your Afro, you can't, you are the acceptable loss. Mm. And that's really hard. And I want people to know who come to my account. You are not an acceptable loss. Exactly. You are not an acceptable
0: loss. It's true. It's absolutely true. And this notion that for some people, there are some folks who can compartmentalize and just and, and I think and, and by some folks, the way that white culture seems to operate, or at least the way I've identified it in my own experience as someone who's a quilter and a sewist, that they think about the issues that apply to the lives of black people as something completely separate and removed from the craft or from the sewing machine company or from mm-hmm. the fabric company that. Crafting and sewing is simply a neutral activity that anyone can pick up and have access to in the exact same way, which is uh-huh. ridiculous because the way that America is set up, which is a country that was designed this way based on division <laughs> and based on se- segmentation, there has never been a way that Black folks could just roll up into something. What about what in America is equal opportunity? Like nothing not even going nothing. to prison, nothing is equal, not, right? not even death, not even death, not even being murdered, not even being oh. like, yeah, N- none of that is equal. So why would you imagine that this would be any different? Or, and, and I think that sometimes, at least for myself, um, I have to, and this is before I started to be much more, you know, forward speaking about these things, which I can't remember when that time even was, honestly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've always been pretty forward speaking. But thinking about this kind of thing at Two Sewing in particular is to realize that the same issues of white supremacy that invade the workplace, that make things difficult and painful for Black folks are the same people creating very similar systems in even our recreational lives. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the craft store, when you go to pick up a sticker book for your planner and everybody's white and you're like, I don't want white women in my planner. yeah it's true and seriously there's a sticker company I'm not gonna say who but I'm really supportive of them they do great work and I'm like why can't all the stickers be black why do you have to have one blonde white woman in there because they don't throw one nappy-headed black girl in their books you don't put that in there for us so like what there's something about like the way that I feel like sometimes Black folks have been encouraged to not center ourselves in our own story. And and we've not been encouraged to do that because that exposes something about this whole country. And there's a scholar um, who was really popular in the Black arts movement, Hoyt Fuller, and he wrote a book, I think it was called The Black Aesthetic. And basically he Mm -hmm. said this line, which is stunning. And he says, the facts of Negro life accuse white people. The facts of Negro life accuse white people. I think that's actually still true. I think he wrote it in like maybe 1967 or something, but it's Mm -hmm. still true because there are things that happen to us that happen to black people in this country that are only possible because of white supremacy. Yes. And Even if a white person is not, and again, I know you know this, you know this like, oh, well, I'm not racist, but, and I saw, I think it was Shannon <laughs> Sharp said it, it was so good. He says, you know, all these people out here saying, I have black friends, I have black friends, these white folks, and I have black friends. But if you have a black friend, quote unquote, and you are not empathetic to the pain of their lives, you don't have black friends. You know, black people, you know
1: black people. Exactly. I saw that as well. Exactly. Right. You know, black people—they love to to draw out the black friend card when someone drops the "you're a racist" card. It's this is not Uno. this no, is not exactly. a reverse card. This
0: is not your get out of jail okay. free card from Monopoly. No, right. Don't think bad of me. I know a black person. It's like, do right. you know how many white people I know? You know, honestly, you can know black people. You can. Uh, have black people in your
1: family you can have gone to college with black people you can have you a can biracial be-
0: grandchild you can have all that
1: you <laughs> you can be sleeping with black people currently and be racist let it let it be known oh my gosh like, yeah this like every single enslaver <laughs> right <laughs> okay uh, like, uh, had had black people in their home in family okay in family in, in their bed and they were racist this is what you descend from. Yes. So please don't try to gaslight us with "I have a black friend." Do you? <laughs> right? I'm like, and, and does your we, and
0: does your black friend know you talk about her like this? Because and also, it's really
1: interesting in conversations with people who are who show racist traits or tendencies, whatever. People who are racist. When they throw out that part, it's okay. But let's examine the friendship. What is the friendship? Okay, because. I've got acquaintances and friends and all that kind of stuff, but there's very few that I'm sharing life with that I am very vulnerable with. Like maybe there's three people yes. aside from my husband, obviously, um, and an actual, like my sister, or my mom, I'm talking about friends that I actually share the tears with. You know what I'm saying? Like share the heartache with, share the trauma with. If your black friend, big air quotes for around friend. Is not calling you when ish hits the fan, the black community and and like pouring out the depths of themselves through, through, through anger, through rage, through sadness, through tears there, if they don't feel comfortable to do that with, you have to then say you have a black acquaintance or, you know, black
0: people. It's true. It's absolutely
1: true. Because, Because I'm not sharing my trauma and my, you know, all that with. Ran, random sh- strangers really. Although last night I went on live after hearing about the the
0: murder of- Yeah, Micaiah Bryant.
1: And I was just very open and, and, and vulnerable in that moment, but it wasn't a platform or a a way to hear what white people had to say about it, it was, this is my grief. You can't respond. I don't need your response. Yeah. And see friendship is I'm gonna share my grief you're going to respond. You're going to share your gifts. You're going to weep with me. Yes. You're going to grieve with me. We're going to rejoice when we rejoice and grieve when we grieve. That's not the same thing. If you see a Black person on live on YouTube, on Instagram, sharing their grief and being open with their anger and rage in the moment of hearing about another Black life taken by a police officer, that's not y'all being friends That's them showing you what this really looks like in real life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
1: And so don't get it twisted. Don't think that's friendship. That's just expression.
0: Yes. That's
1: art sometimes. You know what
0: I'm saying? Yes. So anyways. uh, I know. And, but I think that one of the things that makes me so excited about your work and your platform is that you are so able to communicate this in really beautiful ways. And so I find out, I found out so much information just by coming to your page and flipping through. So about HB one, for example, yeah. that passed yeah. in Florida recently, that criminalizes blackness and criminalizes protesting and mm-hmm. criminalizes. It's that that's such such a dangerous precedent. And I learned about that from you. I learned about that you breaking that down, putting it in your. Very special frame that's easy to recognize. <laughs> um, the one that we mm-hmm. designed with—I think it has a little bit of a watercolor background. Yeah, it's, and it's
1: something I made on my iPad. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, the, the, the Procreate, the, love yes. Procreate, y'all. <laughs> love it. I have Procreate. I have it. I bought it, and I don't know how to use it. And I need to take a class. That's what I need to do, seriously. Because YouTube, I, YouTube it. I want to like learn how to do like relaxing digital coloring. That's okay. what I want like to mm-hmm. learn how to do. I also have coloring books, but. The, the thing that I'm so excited about this work that you have created through the Procreate software is that it communicates so effectively and so cleanly. Mm-hmm. These very important and complex topics. And right. I was really grateful to learn about HB1 from you. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I really was. Do you want to talk a little bit about it, about how horrible it is? And like, what <laughs> you think that you are? Cause I really feel like you're communicating something so beautiful in doing this particular form of advocacy. Yeah,
1: I feel like HB1, and we're talking about in Florida here, our governor is a clown. And so he is threatened by Black people using the full extent of their voting powers, of their voice, of protests, of our constitutional right to express when the state Commits an injustice. You know yeah. what I mean? Protest yeah. is our constitutional right. yet it is threatening to those who who want to hold power close to their chest because it calls them out., yeah. you know what I mean? And so they they have, Said that oh, it's about you know damaging property and this that and the other and whatever and, and, and the protests that we saw. Or sorry, they never call it a protest; they call it
0: a riot. When you don't pass the paper bag test, it's suddenly oh yeah, a riot. It's definitely yeah. On your on the way okay. to the Capitol, that's a protest. But if you're right. walking a highway, you deserve you deserve death. But right the capital is something we should all be able to have separate opinions about. And. Don't the people have the right to take their concerns to the government? It's, it, it would be laughable if it weren't deadly. Yeah, okay. It's true. So the
1: governor here, and I'm sure across the country, there, there are other states trying to do the same thing. There are. Um, that he has signed a bill into law, it passed the house, passed the Senate to limit our, our right to protest. And it says things like, you know
0: groups of nine or more if, that if sounds like blocking. some slave code bullshit like right three more three negroes cannot be assembled without the president of a white man
1: exactly and then it talks about you know if you're blocking a highway or a roadway you know essentially someone can run you over and kill you and they cannot be sued
0: by the family of the victim right right so not only does not only will the state not prosecute this. yeah the, mm-hmm. the person's family cannot file civil suits. So as exactly. you know, one of the reasons that Charlottesville became such a synonym for white supremacist violence is because of the protests here on August 11th and 12th on mm-hmm. 2017. And I was there mm-hmm. on August 12th. I was at oh, the wow. intersection when that white mm-hmm. supremacist drove his car through. And yeah. it was, we woke up screaming for months. It oh was a nightmare. It was chaotic. It was violent. It was 19 people injured. Heather Fire yes. was killed. It yes. was just like, I was per- I, I, so, through a weird series of events. My husband and I had gotten separated at the protest and he okay. was ahead of me and he mm-hmm. looked to see where I was. So he turned around to find me and I saw him and I started running toward him. And then there was this bang. Oh my gosh. And then I looked up and all I saw was a shoe flying in the air and that was someone who had been hit by the car. And and I knew that boy, I knew knew the boy who had been hit by the car whose shoe was up in the air. Later I learned all this information but what the Florida law allows is that is okay. That is what the Florida law allows. And there's quite a few laws in quite a few States that are basically saying if someone's blocking a roadway, you have the right to drive over them. Exactly.
1: Like, yeah. like, and there's no part of their thinking that is even thinking that it's gonna be one one of their own, if you oh, will, no, no, no. okay? These They're not making
0: okay. rules for themselves. They're making no, rules
1: for us, to keep us in check and in line. Yes. Um, yes. And so this law that has now been signed into, well, bill that's now been signed into law last week with, let us not forget, a, a huge panel of the Polk County Sheriff's Department standing right behind the governor, a panel of maybe 30, 40 white men and a couple of white women, not a Black person in sight. And even if there was, it wouldn't change anything. No, nope. Laughing and just the, the, the evil that I felt in that moment as I watched that it was just like how we've got them now, kind of
0: yes, thing. Yes, yes, um, yes. We're gonna keep. We're gonna make Florida great again. We're gonna make Florida no, great again, right? And right. we are okay. gonna make sure to keep these colored and the, and these allied outsiders from helping us turn Florida into the vacation spot of America. As so right. we can come here and enjoy and be tourists and not think at all about the racist and violent violent history that. Is the foundation of Florida mm-hmm. from the displacement mm-hmm. and murder of the Seminoles that we then will now oh, turn yes. into a mascot for one of our state universities and mm-hmm. do this whole and, and then and then we make the conversation about is the chop okay or not as opposed oh, to God. saying we it's is genocide okay right we it, have the easy conversations and we will never have the hard ones because we really don't want to change and so. It's everything and beyond.
1: Yes. So this law is just the tipping point. It's oh, just I mean. the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because then it opens the door like a wedge. Oh yeah. For more and more In legislation and laws to come through that are going to limit the voting rights, of course, of Black people. Yes. yes. Um, it's it's very. And then when our voting rights are suppressed, then of course certain lawmakers stay in office when they shouldn't. Mm. Um, And we're seeing that in Georgia. And we're gonna, I'm sure it's happening in other places, but we're really seeing it in Georgia. And it's just, it's not even, it's not even sad. It's demoralizing. It's like, when does this stop? And I feel like for us who have any kind of platform, I just feel like I would be, what have I done with my time? Mm. If all I'm doing is sharing, you know, my, my, my crafts, but I'm not talking about if I have eyes on it, if I have one follower or I, if I have a hundred thousand, yes. What have I done with my time? And that's a conviction. That's a spiritual conviction. Okay. If you don't feel convicted in that way, that's that's fine. fine. That's you. Yeah. For me, this was the spiritual conviction that was laid on my heart, okay. After prayer and reading the Bible, like, if I'm not using my platforms, my talents, my whatever, to shine light on injustice lurking in the dark,
0: what am I doing? Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Yes, and so that's the accountability spiritually, not from man, not from anything. Spiritual accountability of it's not about earning grace, it's not about earning favor in the eyes of God. Like that's not a thing. It's about Knowing that my time here is short, yes, and that there are people who I'm going to reach that maybe the next person's not going to reach, that's right. That's and right. so, I've got to use my voice, I've got to use my platform, I've got to use my art, I've got to use whatever I've got in these hands, these black hands, that's right, and shine light on the fact that there are people being murdered in the streets, there are people going hungry right now, there are children taking their lives, yes, there are. Women being assaulted in many t- types of ways. I just have to do it. I have to do it. And it's not about earning anything. It's not about, mm-hmm. you know, God saying good job. Like not even that. No, it's just simply, if he puts compassion in our hearts, if he puts empathy in our hearts, mm-hmm. it's not so that we can store it up and bottle. It's so that we can turn around and help others to have that same compassion and empathy.
0: Yes yes and and that's what i love about what you have done and you have done and created so many wonderful things so many beautiful things i love the ability to like to like i can i always know when what when a post is yours <laughs> uh, and, and not just because of the words but it's like even before i read it i'm like oh that's lydia okay well said, <laughs> you know like that kind of instant recognition that because people. Because at least in my opinion, the work that you're doing is so trustworthy and reliable and it shows and it's coming from a place of deep love for Black people. It's coming Mm -hmm. from a place of deep love for the liberation of the most marginalized, which will free us all. And I think that you providing that as a model for people is generous work. But I'm also glad to hear that it's soul-sustaining for you. And that's something that is another difference from your workplace, you know. Oh, yes. You know, and that that, that, that we can build lives that affirm us. Yes. And that, yes. that we can do that. I think the fact mm-hmm. that we can do it and we can tell other folks about it can hopefully encourage more folks to step out a little bit. You know, I'm not saying exactly. that not everybody is going to be able to prayerfully walk away from a job. Not everyone is going to be able to start like a a craftivism platform or start a podcast Mm. or start a YouTube channel. Not everyone is going to do that. But the idea that you can, if you want to, like that is encouraging. The possibility is there. It's not for
1: everybody. We are not all called in the exact same way to the exact same things. Other than to maintain and put forth the dignity of human beings. You know what I mean? For me, it's this. For me, it's this. For someone else, it might just simply being the voice in the workplace, you know, coming alongside a co-worker who's going through a lie. There's infinite ways to be an activist, but none of those ways involves being silent. So there, there is no, in my opinion, there is no silent activism. It's about making use of where you are, your resources, your personal talents and gifts, your personal relationships with people, mm-hmm. and speaking into those lives, speaking into those moments, those moments that are pivotal, using your voice. However, you, there's a lot of or there was a lot of anyways, i weeded out a lot of this, you know, last year of like, well, I just don't know what to say. So I don't say anything. And it's like you not to say, speak without wisdom, of course, be wise in what you say and whatever. But sometimes the the lack of speaking up or the reluctance to use your voice isn't coming from your lack of wisdom. It's it's not coming from your lack of knowing the issues and, and understanding. It's just simply fear. Yes. You're just simply afraid of being that ally that you've been called to be. And that I think is very dangerous yes. for those marginalized people around you. If enough people were active allies, no the active allies, I don't feel like we would see as much workplace violence as we see no. regarding not, I'm talking about like, you know, the HR memos, and, yes, and, the, yes. and the meetings, yes. and, the, and the isolation. Yes, there wouldn't be that kind of workplace violence there, because the culture would be, hey, we got active allies in this place, and they're willing to use their privilege, and their voice to say, that's not okay, right, that's not okay, that's unacceptable, right, so please, silent activism keeps us right where we are, yeah. Like just consuming, just consuming knowledge constantly mm-hmm. and not actually like doing anything with yes,
0: it yes. isn't helping anybody. Exactly. It's not it's, helping anybody. It's not. And that's they're consuming it but not digesting it, right? Right. It's and, just sitting in this, your gut. For what? For no reason. For, and, and yeah. And also I don't like how that switches the emphasis, right? Onto that you that your efforts now need to be targeted. To the path of persuasion. Oh, let me help persuade you, reluctant white ally. That this is how you can do the bare minimum, and people will give you cookies. That's not interesting in any way. That's not it. That's not it. I am so sorry to say that we have to wrap up. It's have been like an hour. This is amazing. So tell us what you have going on next. What can we next expect from Clever Girl Craftings? I. I'm going to continue, you know, speaking
1: out and making sparkly things. (laughs) I have an exciting partnership, a couple of exciting partnerships coming up this summer. And I'm not, unfortunately, contracts, not allowed to say. Understand. No worries. People just wait and see, be surprised. Please keep your eye out. I'm really excited to just continue evolving as you put it, you know, the evolution. And I haven't ever looked at it that way. And so I thank you for that because I'm going to continue processing that. But I just can, I'm just very excited to see what the next phase and phases of of my evolution are through my craft, through my art, through my words, through the Lord. And so I hope that I encourage others to stand up and say something, you know what I mean? To
0: link arms and let's, man, let's tackle these issues together. Yes. I think that's a wonderful note on which to end. And on that note, thank you so much, Lydia Diaz from Clever Girl Craftings. I will include all her social media links at the end of this episode so you all can find out more about Lydia. Thank you, Lydia. You're amazing.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Woman Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcasts directories or services allow for reviews, but for those who do, for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments, if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the Stitch Please podcast, that is incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together.